Well, I would much rather be downstairs today, but <laughs> here I am. So Pastor Rob has asked uh, all of the pastors to take a turn, and he's given us a challenge of, of speaking on something that we're passionate about. And my initial thought was, open up my notebook and start writing down how to be a parent, and then I started praying about it, and God said, no, there's lots of other things that you're passionate about. So why don't you just slow down and listen? So my notebook sat empty for a little while, and I prayed, and I'd jot something down, and I'd scratch it off, and then, and then one night, I was literally in bed sleeping, lights out, eyes closed, and God talked to me and said, this is how I want you to start. And I went, it's so embarrassing. He said, well, this is how it's going to go. Okay. All right. So we'll do it. So here I am. Bear with me. Uh, I like to teach downstairs where nobody can see me other than the kids. <laughs> so this is very new. Um, well, hold on just one minute. Okay, you're good for about 15 minutes. I like to do things a little old school. I do it downstairs, I do it with my notes, my paper. I don't have the luxury of taking my computer downstairs to uh, work off of, so this is how I've been working all week, and good old paper. So here we go. So when I do teach downstairs, I love to teach them in a way that is relatable. But usually first, I tell them a story, usually a Bible story. And typically, this story is told very dramatically and lots of description and words and big dramatic actions, and that's not going to happen today. <laughs> Maybe a few. But you'll get to see some embarrassing pictures, so the kids don't ever get that part. So let me tell you guys a story. Once upon a time, there was a man and his very, very young bride. They had a dream. And that dream was to join a mission and head to Africa to live with the people there and become friends with them and to tell them about Jesus. But to their dismay, no mission would actually take them on. Because what they proposed to do was just way too dangerous. Going into uncharted territory, living with what the, we North Americans back then, we would know them as savages. That was not something that anybody was actually willing to get behind. And so, instead, this man and his very, very young bride went from church to church to church to church, and they gathered support as they went. And this became their way to the mission field. And with a few little boys in tow, this man and his wife moved to the bush in West Africa, Senegal to be exact. And that little boy, the first of what was to become six little boys, is my dad. Meanwhile, on a completely different continent, there was another man and his wife who were placed by OMF, a mission, in Japan 
as house parents at a Japanese boarding school. They raised three little kids of their own and countless others who were treated as their own. This little girl was my mom. Skip ahead a few years, just a few years, and the two of them met in a little place called Strathroy, maybe you've heard of it, down by London, at a Baptist church. My mom was determined not to date my dad, and my dad was determined to win her over by sucking up to her little sister. Obviously, my mom gave in somewhere along the line, and, well, they got married. Moving from both Africa and from Japan back to Canada was a huge culture shock for both of them. They both individually had so many new things that they needed to adjust to. Food, crazy different food. Climate, language, clothing, pretty much everything. And then, as some of us know, getting married comes along with many more adjustments and changes that, that go along with marriage. Skip ahead three years, and along comes the cutest, most precious little bundle you've ever seen. <laughs> oh, look, there's me. I was the first baby and the first grandchild for both sets of my parents, or grandparents. And then my little brother came along and ruined everything. No, I'm just kidding. My brother did come along about three, just shy of three years later, and my poor parents, it was a whirlwind of a few years. Babies, everybody loves babies. We have a nursery opened up today. I'm super excited, so we can uh, house those babies here at Promise Church now. And the best part about babies is that if they're not yours, you can give them back. Because <laughs> chances are they need their mom at some point or another. Babies start out so small and cute, and before you know it, they've gone and grown, or they've hit a milestone. And if you don't see them for a while, it's amazing how much they've grown since the last time you've seen them. For some of us that were at Pastor Danielle's house a couple weeks ago, you might have noticed some of this change and growth in our promised kids. Some of them have just shot right up. Some of them have grown so much that they're hardly recognizable. It's been amazing to see the changes in these promised kids in the last year and a half since the, all this COVID stuff happened. After babies comes the toddler stage. These crazy little monkeys are always doing new things all the time, aren't they? They're learning new words, trying out the new big kid things, trying out the parents' patience. I'm pretty sure that this is the stage where us parents start to get our Arctic highlights. I'm pretty sure that's where mine started. After the toddlers, we move on to the school-age kids. They're talking now. They can hold a conversation and do some things increasingly on their own. Much to every parent's delight, they can do things on their own. These little monsters are starting to become little humans. But by the time they hit high school, they've converted into moody lumps. And as a parent, you just don't understand them, really. But you want to try and figure them out, but sometimes it's just better to let them be. 
in their room. <laughs> and then along comes the college student. And college pretty much solidifies the changes into adulthood with their own finances, their own social life outside of mom and dad, the freedom to come and go as they please, and all the other freedoms that go along with it. A couple weeks ago at Pastor Danielle's, I had a chat with kids about growing grasshoppers. The main point that I was trying to make was that we all start out at a beginning and we grow from there. Babies to adulthood. Lots of growth in between. And it's usually way faster than we want it to be. <laughs> but it's not just growth. Hand in hand with growth comes change. That's a pretty hard word to swallow sometimes, isn't it? A lot of us just don't like change. And most of the time, change requires sacrifice. Let me ask you, have you ever had a favorite t-shirt or those really awesome favorite pair of shoes? Like most bodies, you've grown in one direction or another, and that favorite item just doesn't fit you anymore, not like it used to. Isn't that what we associate with change? something painful, something that we have to give up, something that will cost us. Does it have to be this way, though? I don't know about you, but I found that a lot of people, especially those who don't know Jesus, think that change is bad. Change requires sacrifice of the good, the part of us that we're used to. Change is often too hard to adapt to, isn't this true, especially for us as we get older, too? We get set in our ways, and we don't want to be moved out of our comfort zone. So let's break this down a little bit. Looking back at our growing up, there's been an immense amount of change. We don't look or act like babies anymore. Thank goodness. We like, dislike, or eat different foods than when we were a toddler. Again, thank goodness. Our knowledge base and understanding since primary education has been overreached. Our friend group has changed since high school. Although with technology like Facebook, we can still keep up with those friends from high school. We have a better handle on our finances and relationships since being in college. And through all of those ages and stages, we've grown and we've changed. Our hair is a different color now, likely on purpose. We ache and we pain in different areas than we used to, or we just flat out ache and pain now. Our aging metabolism has changed our girth for the better or worse. Most of these changes have changed gradually over the years, haven't they? They just don't usually happen overnight. If you have made the commitment to have Jesus as the Savior of your life, do you remember when he made that difference for you? That day that you made your commitment? For some of you, it wasn't that long ago. For some of you, it seems like a lifetime ago. I was seven. Honestly, I don't remember the day, but I remember the feelings 
that I experienced afterwards. Especially in the days that followed, the kids at school wondered what in the world is wrong with me. I was made fun of for a short time, and those who knew that I went to church, they called me names. I was different, and they saw it. They experienced my changes from the outside, but I experienced those changes on the inside. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, change quite often isn't on the outside. Sure, we're always gradually morphing into an older version of ourselves. But on the inside, we change there too. Making decisions, putting your foot down, shifting attitudes, those are all mental changes. You see, now this is embarrassing. You see, if we look back, regardless of how we feel about that scary word change, we've been changing gradually over time. Our physical selves have morphed into who we are now just by age. But isn't it true for our spiritual selves as well? We've started somewhere along the road on our spiritual journey. It's different for everyone. Your spiritual journey is different than mine. But gradually, we've become aware of our need for a savior, a longing for more, a hole that needs to be filled. And slowly, we've filled that hole. With the introduction of Sunday church, Christian fellowship, daily Bible reading and prayer, our spiritual holes have begun to change and fill up and make us into a new being. Last week we had, or not last week, two weeks ago now, wow, time flies, we had a baptism at Pastor Danielle's house. Many of you were there to witness the outward commitment of five people from Promise Church. It was amazing. If you were there, wasn't it just such a wonderful time? We had such a celebration, it was, and it was an amazing day. This is yet just another example of the change in our spiritual selves. Sometimes it's not gradual. There are big life events that can occur to bring a person to the knowledge of Jesus, much like getting married or giving birth or even the death of a loved one. Each life-altering event has the momentum to make a change within us. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 9, I'm going to read it for you. This is the story about Saul, who later becomes Paul. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he didn't care, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem, And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven 
flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I find that interesting. He actually knew who it was. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. I think I probably would be speechless too. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind. He did not eat or drink anything. Take Saul's story here as an example. Talk about a life-altering experience. That's pretty dramatic. If you know the story of Paul, he went on to be a wonderful preacher and an author and a missionary. The incredible changes to his life were so impactful to so many people that he met and he ministered to in his lifetime. If you do not know Jesus as the savior of your life, you might be afraid of the changes that you might have to make. You might, want not, you might not want to give up things. You might not want to adapt because you have the things right where you want them. But what if there's something better? Paul was on the road, literally, on his way to a Christian community with the intention of getting rid of them. Can't get much worse than that. He had a life-altering encounter with God that changed his trajectory completely. Those gradual changes that we had talked about earlier, those happened in him too. He had a lot of learning to do. He spent a lot of time in prayer. He spent a lot of time learning from other believers about how he was morphing. You've heard the saying, the grass is always greener on the other side, right? Well, aren't we always searching for the next best thing? Version 2.0 or whatever, 11.3, whatever it might be next, the next best thing, the next best Apple iPhone, the next version. We're always looking for the next best thing, but what if it's right in front of us this whole time? We have to consciously make that decision, that change to reach out and grasp what's waiting for us, and that is a life with Christ. Acts chapter 9, verse 21 and 22. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, 
Isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. See, people saw those changes in Paul. And they were astonished. It says so. They were astonished. God had made some really big changes in Paul's life. And he was able to make a really big impact for God because the people that he ministered to could see the evidence of those changes in the passion and in the way in which he lived. You know, it's one thing to use our words to say with our words the way in which the Lord has made a difference in our life. But it's another thing completely to show with our actions the way in which the Lord has made a difference in our life. If God can take a horrible, Christian-killing man like Paul and change his life into a man of God, What can he do with someone like you and me? When we make that commitment to have Jesus as the Savior of our lives, we become a new creation. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, and the new has come. That's what the baptisms two weeks ago was all about. The old left, and the new came. Anything new requires change. And yes, that can be a scary word, but is it really that scary? When we are a new creation in Christ, we aren't re-educated, we aren't rehabilitated, we are recreated. And the changes will start within you and seep to the outside. If you haven't made that commitment to have Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, he's waiting for you. It may not be a big, dramatic event like what happened to Paul. It could be a quiet tugging at your heart, or it could be a gradual nudging. There are so many people here that would love to sit and talk to you. So if you are experiencing that quiet tugging at your heart, another gradual nudging, I encourage you to talk to somebody, one of the pastors, or someone that you know that has made that commitment. And for those of you who have made that commitment, I encourage you to put into practice those disciplines that will help you to become stronger, that will help you to continue to change and morph into the person in Christ that he has called you to be. Continue coming on Sunday mornings. Join a promise group where you can. Grow in fellowship. 
join a Promise Grant, and be a missionary in your community. Remember, we all start out somewhere on our spiritual journey, and we change and we grow as a new creation. I'm going to pray with you now. Father God, we thank you so much for this word, the word of God that has so much power to change and transform a life. Father, if you can take someone like Saul, who is the worst of the worst, and make him one of the best, Father, how much more can you do for us? Father, we thank you so much for how much you've given us. Thank you for our church community, for the community of Bradford. God, help us to see that the changes that are in our life are meant for you. Help us to use those changes for the good in our community as we grow and as this church continues to grow. And we thank you for all of those things. We ask all of these wonderful things in your name. Amen. Promise Church, have a wonderful week. It has been an honor to be here with you this morning. And I hope that uh, we will see you again here next week, 11 o'clock at Bradford United Church. And looking forward to it. God bless. Have a great week.